Today we're continuing a series we began a few weeks ago called Change My Heart. And I was at the gym not too long ago and I looked over and they had a new machine. It was a low impact cardio machine. And it was like this, this rack that you get on and you start crawling, like with all fours. You wear a, like a safety belt. And I thought, if I get on that thing, I'm going to hurt myself. It was called Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. And I thought, wow, that's like in the Bible. Jacob's Ladder. I know Jacob's Ladder. And I started thinking about all of the cultural references to Jacob's Ladder. I mean, just think about it. Jacob's Ladder is the only biblical reference that Led Zeppelin, Huey Lewis in the News, and you 2 all sang about. How about that? And we even have movies and TV shows over the last few years that have been named after or have references to the story of Jacob's Ladder. It's one of the most well-known, one of the most highly regarded stories in the Bible, and yet I also think that it's perhaps the least understood. A lot of people hear about Jacob's Ladder. People may talk about Jacob's Ladder, but do we really understand the meaning of Jacob's Ladder? And the meaning of this story we're going to see today from the 28th chapter of the book of Genesis is a story about personal faith, personal faith. We've had a, a, a crazy time. We still are in the middle of a crazy time, but this week has just been ultra crazy, political uncertainties, pandemic explosions, uh, economic crisis. Wow. I, I believe that the great answer to the woes that we feel are in the story of Jacob's ladder because it's a story about personal faith. And listen, the thing that's going to get you through what you're going through today is your personal faith in God, your personal connection with his son, Jesus Christ. So let's look today at how we can build and how we can understand Jacob's ladder and how we too can be people of great personal, personal faith. Um, in Genesis chapter 28, we find Jacob, this a great hero in Scripture. He is running for his life. Um, in the previous weeks, we've talked about Jacob stole the birthright and the blessing of his brother Esau. And so he stole the inheritance and he stole the right to be the spiritual leader of the family. And Esau is a man's man and he's going to kill Jacob. Jacob is on the run. He's running for his life. He's going to go to a place called Padanaram. He's going to stay with his uncle. Uh, but it's a long journey. And Jacob's by himself, traveling. It's the middle of the night. He's tired. He's weary. He feels guilty about what he's done. He's the trickster. He's the schemer. Uh, his name literally means heel grabber. Or supplanter. How would you like your name to be? Supplanter. Every time somebody sees you. Oh, deceiver, trickster, supplanter, so to speak. And it's in that moment that God shows up. Did you know that God shows up in the most unlikely circumstances? See, a lot of people think that God only shows up when things are going well. Like if things are really good 
and if they're up and to the right, that that's fertile soil for God. God shows up many times in the most unexpected places in the most unexpected times. And so it's the middle of the night. Jacob is running for his life. The Bible says he actually is using a rock for a pillow. So he probably needs to go visit his chiropractor after this, this evening rest. Things are not good for Jacob. But guess what? God shows up. Look with me, if you would, in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. And he reached a certain place, and he spent uh, the night. He, he spent, the, uh, spent the night there because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones from the place and put it there uh, at his head. And he lay down in the place, and he dreamed a stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky. And God's angels were going up and down it. <clears throat> and the Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I want to mention four things today from this text about personal faith and climbing Jacob's ladder. First is simply this, God is searching. God is searching. God is searching and I am forever rescued. You see, what I love about this part of the story is Jacob is not in prayer. Jacob is not calling on the name of the Lord. Jacob is not even asking for God's help. But guess what? God shows up anyway. It was God who came to find Jacob. It wasn't Jacob that went trying to find God. God shows up in some weird places. God shows up in some unexpected times. God shows up in those moments in our life that we're kind of wondering, Lord, what are you doing here? And this is the turning point of Jacob's life. He, he becomes a believer at this point. You see, before, Jacob's faith was his parents' faith. His granddad, Abraham, the greatest man of faith in the Bible. Isaac, his father, a great man of faith. So he has this wonderful spiritual heritage. But guess what? Just because you have believing parents doesn't mean that you're a believer. And up until this point, Jacob was far from God. He didn't know God. His faith was just the faith of his parents. But there's a time in our life where our faith has to become our own. Our faith can't just be what our great-grandparents did or what our parents did or our great-uncles. Faith has to take root in our lives. Faith has to become a reality in our experience. As a parent, we want to pass that on to subsequent generations. We want our children to have those moments with God where, where our faith becomes their faith. Well, this is the moment. Jacob's a late bloomer. But this is where God intersects Jacob's life. And for the first time in his life, he begins to turn away from being a deceiver. And he turns his heart to God. He's guilty. He's alone. He's scared. He's afraid. He's never going to see his mother again. He's going to spend more than 20 years in a foreign place before God brings him back to his original homeland. He's broken. He's scared. He doesn't know what to do. But God speaks to him in that moment. And God speaks to him through a vision. 
Now, when you look at the text, you actually see Jacob's got three things going for him. He sees a vision from God, which is a message. He hears the word of God because God speaks to him. And he has the presence of God because the presence of God, because God is standing there beside him when he is observing this dream. I got some great news for you today. Listen, regardless of what you're going through, God has a vision for your life. God's presence is always with you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is the word of God, which unlocks the promises and the direction of our life. We have all three things. And if you want to get the vision of God for your life, understand the presence of God through the Holy Spirit and the word of God that's revealed to us in the Bible. So what is seemingly a very bad situation for Jacob starts to really turn a new direction because God shows up. And God shows up in the image of a ladder. A ladder. Now, a ladder is a way or a bridge. When you want to get somewhere that you cannot get by yourself, you have to take a what? You got to have a ladder, don't you? Yeah, they, they put a new roof on my house a few months ago. And the roofing company had to use ladders to get on the roof because... Because they, they, they had a poor vertical, you know, the, the guys couldn't jump. And so they had to use ladders. Well, God sends Jacob a beautiful message through the ladder. And the ladder has angels that are descending and ascending up and down. They're going up and down the ladder. And God speaks to Jacob about his personal faith in and through the ladder. And it's in that moment that Jacob realizes that his life is not about himself, but it is about God. You know, a lot of people think that climbing the ladder, that climbing the ladder is about our own self-efforts. If I climb the ladder to God, it's like, you know, I kind of get my stuff together. I maybe correct a few things. I break some bad habits. I stop doing some things. And if I can just change enough things in my life, I can climb the ladder. And sometimes we think of the ladder as the place of self-effort. In this picture, in Genesis chapter 28, this is a picture of grace, not of man's efforts. It is a picture of God's redemptive love for humanity. You see, the way that we ascend to heaven is not by our own efforts, but it is by the power and by the grace of God. And so these angels are illustrating this for for Jacob. Jacob is letting go of his old self. It's a turning point in his life. You know, there's pivot points in all of our lives. We have moments where God shows up and we have the opportunity. We can either change directions or we can keep going the way that we were going before. And God gives Jacob a wonderful invitation to a new life. God is giving you that opportunity today. Did you know that? We we have the opportunity. We can can change the direction that we're going. Or we can keep going the direction that we're going. Doing it our own way. Living our life for ourselves and far from God. And the invitation to the latter is the invitation to go God's direction which is upward with him. That's God's desire. Jacob got a vision from God. He had the word of God. He had the presence of God. And 
And this beautiful illustration changes the trajectory of his life. It's a beautiful prophetic picture. Now, over in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, Jesus claims to be the latter. Okay, check it out. John 1.49, Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God, you're the king of Israel. And Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you and I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. And he said, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on who? On the son of man. Jesus is saying, I am the latter. Now, biblical commentators believe that perhaps Nathaniel, one of the 12 disciples, was reading the book of Genesis. And when Jesus is talking to him, he's referencing this story in Genesis chapter 28. And he says, you know what? If you want to know the way to have personal faith, you got to understand that I am the latter. I'm the latter. He says, the angels are ascending and descending. He says, that's me. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies and all the promises of God in the past. That's why we need Christ. Jesus is not just a ladder. Jesus is the ladder. He's the only ladder. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And uh, God pursues us. God pursues us with that opportunity. Maybe God brought you here today because God has been pursuing you. God's been chasing you. Listen, God would not come after you if you were not significant, if you did not matter to him. God would not waste his time. You're valuable to God. You're valuable to God. That's why he's pursuing you. That's why he's coming after you. You know, uh, not too long ago, we had a lady come to our church. Her name's Masha. She shared her story not too long ago. Masha came to church. She loved it. She had a great experience. Um, she just felt like this pressing on her heart, like, I got to go to church. And she didn't really know what to do, but she thought, well, I'll, I'll go over to Ed's church. She's, she was a, a, a Jewish, you know, her family's Jewish, you know, and she thought, well, um, they used to have a synagogue that met over there in that building before Ed's church moved in. She thought, well, you know, there was some Hebrew writing over there. Maybe that's a place for me. So she shows up. She has a great time, and she's really thinking about faith. I mean, she's really thinking about Christ. She's really thinking about you know, climbing the ladder, if you will. And when she came in, um, we were in the middle of a series called Champion, which we were looking at all the great heroes of Hebrews chapter 11, and we did that for a whole summer. And the motto of her business centered around the theme of a champion. And uh, as she came in, she just felt like so connected and so welcomed by everybody and these other factors are kind of playing a role and that may sound kind of silly to somebody else who's you know well champion well what does it matter what the series is about yeah I, I get that but for her that was significant and she came back and she came to the church for, for 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 some time and she wanted to be a Christ follower but she was nervous because she was Jewish by heritage and she felt like that if she was a follower of Jesus that somehow she would be, you know, kind of betraying her Jewish 
upbringing. And one of her family members met with her and explained to her that she could be Jewish and be a follower of Christ as well. And when she heard that, man, she was down. And she gave her life to Christ. And, you know, she was baptized in our church not too long ago. And, and uh, God was just calling her. God was just stirring her. God was moving her. Uh, maybe God's moving you. You know, every person's personal journey of faith is different. It's never the same. Some people have really dramatic stories. Some people it's less dramatic. But, but I don't want to minimize I don't want to minimize anybody's story because when God gives us an invitation to begin to climb the ladder, we have the greatest opportunity of all to know Christ. And maybe God's allowed you to go through some things in the last few months or maybe over the last few years to bring you to the point where you're ready to say, man, I too want to climb the ladder of faith. God is searching and because of that, I am forever rescued in Christ. But God is also near. I'm never alone. God is near. I'm never alone. Now, the promise that, 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 that God is going to give to Abraham after he sees the beautiful uh, illustration of the ladder, he says to him in Genesis 28, 15, Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. So again, Jacob's alone. I mean, nobody's traveling with him. He left his family. He left his livelihood. We know Jacob was super connected to his mom. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's got nothing. But God says to him, Jacob, I will be with you. Listen, God never promises that you won't have hardships in this, in this life. But you know what he does promise? If you're in Christ, he promises that he will always be by your side. You are never alone. That's why you don't have to be afraid. That's why you don't have to be nervous. That's why you don't have to live a life that is, that is incarcerated by fear. God is the one who is with us. God's with us. And this is the promise that he makes. Um, in verse 16, he says... Then Jacob, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Isn't that beautiful? Sometimes we're so busy, like going through the routine of life, we haven't slowed down enough to realize, oh, God is with me. And he says, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I mean, sometimes we need to slow down enough to, to just recognize God is the one who is with me. God is here. I've been so busy trying to do it myself. And in verse 17, he says he was afraid. And he said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So there's fear and there's excitement. You know, when you follow Christ, you have both. This is a tough time. I'm going through a hardship. This is really exciting. God's with me. And Jacob feels both of these things. Hebrews 13, 5 um, quotes Jesus and it says, Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Um, Jacob was afraid and he was in awe at the same time. So you feel lonely when you're in lack. You know, when you, when you feel like you got everything 
kind of going the right direction, you don't, you don't feel lonely. When you don't have loved ones around you, when you don't have family, maybe when you don't have very many friends, you, you feel lonely. And we need to remember God is the one who is near. God's the one who's near. I'm never alone. God is also gracious. He's gracious. And as this story unfolds a little further in verse 13, um, we see the graciousness of God, which means I am always blessed. You see, the reason you have blessings in your life, because God is gracious. He is. Look at it there in verse 13. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. So look at these promises that he's given to to Jacob, okay? Look at this. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. That means there'll be a lot of them. And you will spread out towards the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. That's a prophecy about the coming of Jesus uh, and uh, his birth and resurrection. And then in verse 15, look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, he gives him a whole bunch of promises there, verses 13 to 15. I mean, so he has a vision from God. He has the presence of God. He has the word of God. Now he's got the promises of God, okay? Like Jacob is getting loaded up. I mean, he is like, he's a blessed man. He's, it's awesome. But God is gracious. I'm always blessed. Did you know these blessings that are given here are specifically to Jacob and to his descendants. But I want you to know that the scripture is replete with example after example after example of God's blessings for you and I in Christ. I mean, the Bible's got so many, many examples. Listen, if you're a person that's on the ladder, you're a person that is greatly blessed by God. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, In Romans chapter 6, the Bible says, I am dead to sin. That means that I can change. That means that I can change. I don't have to keep doing what I have always done before. Here's another blessing. I have a cure for anxiety, John 14, 1. I can be joyful, John 15, 11. Um, The Spirit of God is interceding for me, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Now listen, if this doesn't get you pumped up today, I don't know what will. The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for you. Romans chapter 8 says that the Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf. I mean, listen, you may think things are bad today. But you got two people lifting you up. You may not have all the friends you wish that you had. And you may be facing some very difficult times. But you have Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And you have the Holy Spirit of God praying for you. You are blessed. You're, ble- You're not alone. You're blessed. You are. The scriptures tell us we can have fellowship with God. That's intimacy. See... Listen, man, climbing the ladder is not just about being religious. It's about knowing God. 
God wants you to know him. I was helping one of my kids study for their history class, and they were studying deism in history class. Deism is that belief that, that people had hundreds of years ago that God kind of like created the world and then just kind of left it all. I was like, good luck, guys, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of people a few hundred years ago believed that. And so we were talking about that. And I thought, you know what, isn't it amazing? We may not call ourselves deists, but we practice deism. You see, a lot of people today say, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, I got all that. Does God intervene in my circumstance? <laughs> no, I hadn't heard from God. I don't, God's not involved. No. Listen, man. God wants to be intimate with you. God wants to know you. God wants you to know him. And that's what we call fellowship. you got a connection with God. you got a relationship with God. Jacob's unlocking this. This was his parents' faith. Now it's his faith. He's getting to know God. You have access to God through prayer. You can be spiritually fruitful. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And when we think about the great promises of God, what does it do in our life? Well, it gives us encouragement. Amen? Anybody feel encouraged? See, next time you get discouraged, I want you to think about the blessings of God in your life. Okay? If you're like, I don't know the blessings of God, just start reading the Bible. Okay? Blessing after blessing after blessing. And it helps us overcome discouragement. And God always blesses us so that we can bless somebody else. Amen? You see, God didn't bless you just so that you can sit around and go, I'm so blessed. God blessed you so you can pour out the blessing on somebody else. And that's why we need to be bringing and inviting our friends and family to come and to climb the ladder. We want people to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. Let's do it. I think whenever Jacob started to get discouraged, he could look back on this encounter with God. Man, you know what? Things are hard. In fact, we're going to see in the subsequent weeks, Jacob is going to work for seven years. He doesn't have enough money for a dowry. He's going to work for the love of his life for seven years. And through a real weird Bible story, Jacob ends up marrying, without his knowing, the ugly sister of the woman that he loves. And guess what? He's got to work seven more years. So he works 14 years for the woman that he loves. His father-in-law was always ripping him off. We'll get into that more next time. Jacob had some hard times. Jacob, was, Jacob went through hard times. He's about to head into some new hard times. But listen, he always knew he had the presence of God and the promises of God that were right there beside him. How do we get through those tough times? We remember the promises of God. We remember them. Promises keep us going. Here's the fourth thing. God is not just gracious, but God is also helpful and I am thoroughly capable. Now, the, the place that Jacob has this encounter with God is a place called Luz. Everybody say Luz. Does that sound like a very dynamic place? Luz. 
They might have called it Luz, maybe like Loserville, like Luz, Luz, Luz. I don't know what it was, Luz or Luz. He renames the place Bethel, which means the house of God. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is going to come back to this same place that he was at in Genesis 28, and he's going to remember what God has done. We can't forget what God has brought us through. But he renames the place because he has an encounter with God. And I will tell you, one of the greatest things you can do in your spiritual life is to rename some things that you have been through. Maybe you're looking at some situations and you're naming those things discouragement or failure, setback, but you need to rename them set up. Maybe you're looking back at a failed marriage or a troubled marriage and you're saying failure. In reality, that's God's process of bringing maturity and bringing faith into your life. You've got to rename some things. The devil wants you to name things in your life that bring discouragement and doubt and disillusionment in your own experience. So we need to rename. We need to reframe and rename some things in the name of Jesus. Now look here in Genesis 28 verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if he provides uh, me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give you a tenth of all that you give to me. When I first read this, I thought, well, Jacob, you're a little punk. I mean, God's promising all these things, and you're like, well, if God will do this, then I'll, that, that doesn't even sound like faith, does it? The word that's translated if in the Hebrew language is also a word that can be translated since. And I think what Jacob is saying is since God, since God is with me, since God is blessing me, since God is transforming me, I can do everything that God has purposed for me to do. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, well, God, I don't, still don't know if I believe in you and trust you and I got a lot of doubt. And He was acknowledging the fact that he could do everything that God had called him to do because he was not alone. Did you know you can do everything that God has put before you? I mean, everything that God has called you to do, you are fully capable. If God has called you to a certain job, then God's going to give you the capabilities to do those tasks. If God's called you to be a mother or to be a husband or a wife, God is going to give you what you need to be able to do what he has called you to do. This is exactly what's being echoed by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13, where he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, Paul is not saying, if you want to be Superman and you can fly, you can do it. What he's saying is, 
You can do everything that God has called you to do. Isn't that exciting? I mean, just think about that for a moment. God is helpful. Therefore, I am thoroughly capable. You're more capable than you really think that you are. So stop trying to do it on your own, man. Let the Lord lead you. Jacob leaves his own schemes and his own ingenuity behind And he begins to climb this ladder of faith. He realizes that scheming is a dead-end road. That stealing birthrights and blessings is never going to get him to the place that he wants to be. And how much that he needs God. Now as a result of this, Jacob does two things. He begins to worship God at Bethel. He builds an altar. He's going to come back in a subsequent chapter. and He's going to worship again there. Worship. Worship is our response to God for all that he's done in our lives. Listen, when Christ comes into your life, when you get on the ladder, most natural thing to do, worship. Worship is telling God that we love him. Praise. Worship. He does a second thing. He brings a tithe. I mean, this is amazing right here. He says, I want to bring a tenth of all that you have given me, and he gives, and he brings a tithe. His father Abraham brought tithes in Genesis 14 to a priest by the name of Melchizedek. And Jacob, uh, or excuse me, Abraham uh, brought the tithe. Jacob does what his granddad did. He wants to give, and giving is a natural response to gratitude. I mean, listen, man, if your life's been rocked by Jesus, the easiest thing to do is to say, man, I want to worship and I want to give. I want to worship and I want to give because our riches reflect our heart. And we really cannot separate our faith from our finances. They're always interwoven together. Our checkbook is the greatest reflection of our real theology and what we believe. A person can't trust God with temporal possessions, uh, who can't trust God with temporal possessions, can't trust God with their eternal soul. So this is the response. Jacob is giving and he's worshiping. He's worshiping and he is giving. So let me ask you today, man, are you climbing Jacob's ladder? The journey of faith is it's a tough journey. I think that's why it's a climb. We don't climb to gain God's favor, but when we have the favor of God and we have the grace of God in our life, we have to learn to operate in it. And that's a journey, and we have to climb. Are you on your way to heaven? And is Christ in your life? Have you embraced the true ladder, Jesus Christ? I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make the greatest decision of all, that is to get on the ladder and to ask Christ to come into your life. Would you do that today? It's the greatest decision, it's the greatest choice that you can ever make is to to have personal faith in God through his son, Jesus Christ. What's going to get you through what you're going through today? It's knowing where you stand with God. Will you embrace that today? Would you bow with me for just a moment? Let's bow our our heads and our hearts for just a moment.